Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, December 22nd. We begin with a look at the announcement that came down late Wednesday afternoon that the Calgary Sport and Entertainment Corporation has pulled the plug on the much-anticipated arena deal. We get reaction from Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Next, we break down the new COVID-19 restrictions outlined by the provincial government Wednesday, which take effect starting on Christmas Eve day. We speak with Ernie Sue, president of the Alberta Hospitality Association, about what impact these new protocols will have on Calgary restaurants and pubs over the holiday season. Then we flip through the pages of the most popular reads of 2021, according to the Calgary Public Library. We get an inside glimpse of the most borrowed books from Stephen Gibbs, selector in collections from the library. And finally, in our final installment in our series on family dynamics during the holiday season, parenting expert Julie Friedman-Smith explains the importance of alone time, even when you have out-of-town guests staying with you. All right, last night we got the news. The Calgary Flames organization had pulled out of the new event center deal. Why did it happen? What does the future hold? With some insight into what exactly is going on, we're joined this morning by Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning, Madam Mayor. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me. Oh, I know this is a tough conversation for sure. You got the call from Flames owner Murray Edwards yesterday. Can you tell us what he said and why? Well, I think it's a disappointing day for all of us. I don't think either of the parties are very pleased about the outcome. And I think Calgarians are incredibly disappointed. But ultimately, what it comes down to is uh, Mr. Edwards had conversations with his partners, and it appears that they are unable to take on the additional costs that have been part of the development permit process, um, a process actually that took on a lengthy debate at Calgary Planning Commission and it appears that they simply cannot afford some of the additional costs right now. I think what Calgarians thought was a done deal, uh, we're hearing could be done. To me, my opinion only, uh, Mayor Saber rattling. Uh, we did see a lot of negotiations taking place up a Highway Two in Edmonton, uh, back and forth. Could this just, uh, just uh, again, your opinion? Could this be? Part of a negotiation, or do you really think there's a serious chance that they might, uh, you know, shut her down completely? Well, if this was an ongoing negotiation, we'd be in a very different place. Uh, there would be a confidential process by which we were debating what is on or off the table. Um, that type of a negotiation situation is something that has not been present on this deal since the summer. Um, this summer in July, we had a revised deal come to council. So if I can just break it down for mm-hmm. you, what happened in 2019, July, is that there was a deal worth $550 million with the cost split between Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation and the City of Calgary. The city also provided the land, 90% of the demolition of the existing saddle dome. Um, some of the remediation costs for flood mitigation and site remediation. And so the city was in for 275 plus an additional 22.4 and the land back in 2019. What changed in 2021 is that it was revealed that the cost of the project would be higher than anticipated, and each party went in for an additional $12.5 million. We also, as a city, um, added another potential $10 million for event management costs. So right now, the existing project management framework is sitting at $307.4 million plus land that the city is contributing. And at that time, it was agreed that Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation would take on any additional project costs. 
So where do these new costs come from? They are reported for green uh, expenses, for solar panels. And you as the mayor are taking the heat saying, you know, with people saying this is on you for these costs. So where, where does this all come from? Well, you know, when you take on a position like this, people do either recognize you or blame you for things that are going on. Um, if I could explain to listeners that there are two processes by which we have experts review major projects like this and provide their feedback. One is called Urban Design Review Panel, where a group of people who have expertise in the field of urban design looks at the projects and weighs in on what is needed that might not be there. Then there's the Calgary Planning Commission, which consists of experts in the field, people in the development industry and design industry, as well as members of administration and uh, a couple of members of council. Both Urban Design Review Panel and Calgary Planning Commission received a report that indicated there would be additional expenses around public realm improvements, roadway expenses, as well as a greenhouse gas assessment that triggered the notion that we needed some additional funding for uh, greenhouse gas emission reduction targets. So I'm wondering, you know, these sorts of items, the roadway, the public realm and the greenhouse gas emissions and and looking at the environmental impact, is this standard for a facility like this? Was this going to be coming down the pipe anyway? It is standard for development permit applications that come through. And often it's not dependent on the size of the project. But certainly I can tell you with our bigger projects, they go through a very intense review. And greenhouse gas emissions and energy efficiency targets are definitely something that's included in those reviews. And this is not surprising to anyone who's had to go through a development permit project uh, process before. What comes next, Mayor? Do you continue conversations? Do you try to, you know, um, agree with what they want in terms of the Flames organization itself? Or is this just dead until they say, "Mm, maybe we'll talk about it again? Well, Sue and Andy, I'm not sure where we are. What I do know is, um, you know, I asked very clearly, are we at the end? And the answer was yes. Uh, So we felt it was important to go to the public and let everyone know. I don't know what the next steps are. I continue to unravel this and I will ensure that we're updating the public as we go along. Is this something that you'll want to take the, the temperature of the public and get some kind of an indication whether or not Calgarians are done? Because we have a texture that says, hmm, sounds like one side of the story. And it's great to hear your voice and your thoughts. And we do have the release from CSEC. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if the ball is, we don't even know whose court, I guess, the ball is in at this point. You know, I don't think Calgarians have an appetite for going to another plebiscite. I think that they have weighed in on this process a couple of times now. And I believe council has had two opportunities to, number one, create a deal and then redraft a deal. And we have seen that this council has not had the appetite to invest in some things with public dollars. So I would be hard-pressed to bring this back to council. Um, We're not in a negotiation stage right now, so I will wait and see what administration comes back with, and I will definitely update you as I learn more. We get another text in from Carl who says, sounds like breach of contract by CSEC. So do you fight this now, or do you just let it go away? Once again, it's an excellent question. We have a lot of things we need to review in the next couple of days. I thought it was important that the public understand the situation before we go into figuring out next steps. 
Incredible. I mean, it, it's, it came out of nowhere for Calgarians. I think a lot of us were shocked. Sports fans, those who were looking to see some concerts and, you know, really build up that area. So thank you for the update. Thank you for telling us what you know at this point. And uh, I personally don't think we've heard the end of this, mm. uh, but let's hope it has a happy ending. Thank you so much, Mayor. Well, thanks so much. And, you know, let me just say this. This is not about the Flames as a team. We love this game. We love this team in our city. And the Flames are a big part of our community. So I really wish that we had been able to move forward with this. And we'll see what uh, happens over the next few days. Have a lovely day, you guys. Thank you very much, Mayor. Appreciate your time. That is Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. New restrictions the province announced yesterday will take effect first thing Christmas Eve day, and they have thrown a wrench into holiday plans for the hospitality industry, an industry that's been hit hard through the past couple of years. With reaction to yesterday's announcement, we're joined this morning by Ernie Sue, owner of Trolley 5 Brewery and president of the Alberta Hospitality Association. Good morning to you, Ernie. Good morning to you. Okay, so I'm sure you're frustrated. Uh, I'm sure everybody in the industry is uh, a little disappointed. New restrictions in place again. The ones that would affect you, restaurants and bars limited to 10 people per table, no interactive stuff like darts, dancing, billiards, etc., and no alcohol service past 11. So your reaction to this overall, Ernie? Well, it's, it's, it's been pretty tough. I mean, been on the phone all night talking to operators across the province, Um our main concern right now is obviously the mental health of, of a lot of owners out there and, and a lot of our staff. I'm wondering, Ernie, can you put it in perspective? I was uh, We were talking about this early on, such a busy news day yesterday, and this is a huge piece of this. In the grand scheme of the year, how important is the Christmas holiday season? Like, How would we compare this to the volume that we'd see in restaurants, bars, and lounges uh, as compared to the summer, for example? Well, the, the, the Christmas season was making a, a, was making a, a strong comeback for our industry. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of people get out again and, and be able to be social. And uh, the public support for restaurants has been has been quite strong during the Christmas season, leading into New Year's. And now uh, there's going to be a number of venues that are probably going to have to cancel New Year's um, with you know the inability to even mix and mingle. Uh, it's going to be very hard and. It's going to be very hard for our local art scene, to our musicians, that uh, you know, our musicians that are just starting to make a comeback as well. I'm so, hoping that locations can still be able to pilot through, um, you know, still being able to have live performances. Have you heard from folks in the industry, people at the bars and the restaurants, and, and their thoughts on it and, and what they're now planning for New Year's Eve, or is that sort of still all up in the air as everybody searches, tries to figure out how they can maneuver around these new rules? Yeah, that's that's going to be the tough part in the next couple of days is, um, you know, alcohol service stopping at 11 with uh, customers, you know, being able to leave at 1230 will not be able to give uh, most locations that ability to run a full New Year's uh, uh, function. So It's interesting. We were talking about business this morning, how Restaurants Canada, the organization Restaurants Canada and the Canadian Federation of Independent Business are suggesting that we need some more supports for the hospitality industry with the, these new round of restrictions, not just in our province, but seemingly across the nation, different types. What are your thoughts on that? Is the government doing enough? What could be done to help the industry at this point further? Well, any, any financial support is going to be needed right now, um, and we've maintained that for the last two years. Uh, you know, it's going to take at least 26 months for our industry to get back up on its feet. So um, any support from the government is going to be very much needed at this time, for sure. 
Ernie, uh, your thoughts on uh, the arena deal yesterday? I mean, I know it doesn't necessarily directly impact this decision per se, but does this have an effect, do you think, on the uh, the uh, hospitality industry in the city? And did you get any response on that and that announcement yesterday? Oh, it's been the talk of the town for sure. As a born and raised Calgarian, it's devastating to, uh, to hear that the event center is not going to be going through at this time. Um, I know a lot of Calgarians are looking forward to it, not just from our industry, just from a, a full city standpoint, you know, it's it's that you know content revenues that that help you know the whole economy of of the city. It's it's going to be a devastating loss for sure if the if the rank you know falls through to hundred percent. Ernie, uh, what can people do? I mean, if they can't get the groups out like they wanted to, and you, you we mentioning that mingling at tables, for example. I know at different stages of the pandemic, we've encouraged people if they can't bring. Uh, themselves into a restaurant for whatever reason might be to, to encourage you know curbside pickup, takeout, and delivery. Are we still looking at that as an option to, to help people out in the industry? Absolutely, and and a lot of restaurants have mobilized uh, you know their talented culinary teams to to you know to work out of your house or come cook for you at your home. So uh, yeah, definitely look at all the options. Uh, there's going to be a mass amount of great Christmas dinners that are always put together. Uh, that you could pick up and, and take home from from restaurants. Um, yeah, it, it, any any support the public has always been given over the last two years is is going to be needed now, especially uh, with the mass loss of revenue in the next couple weeks. And I'm sure Calgarians will continue to support. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Ernie. Appreciate it. No, thank you guys, and uh, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Ernie Sue, owner of Trolley Five Brewery and president of the Alberta Hospitality Association. We at Calgarians, we were really going to the library a lot. And we borrowed books by the thousands this year. But which were the most popular? Let's find out from Stephen Gibbs, Selector in Collections at the Calgary Public Library. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's okay. always great to talk about books. I know I love talking about books, too. I can't get enough of them. And I, I, I you know, a big supporter of the Calgary Public Libraries, the one in my community, the one downtown. So let's talk just sort of in general and overall. What was more popular this year? Did you find it was actual physical books or ebooks? Which one is, is bigger for us? So physical books are still bigger, but ebooks are definitely growing rapidly, especially during the past two years. Of course, in 2020, uh, we had a few periods of closures. So uh, for a little while, ebooks were the only kind of book you could get. And I think a lot of people sort of discovered the convenience of the ebook. Uh, the e-audiobook is great because you can listen to it while you're doing other things. And so we've seen a really big, steep rise in uh, ebook usage this past two years. All right. So I'm not sure, Stephen, if we separate those top three that you saw flying off the shelves at the library into ebooks and physical books. But can you give us, for adults, the top three? You can start at number three if you want. Sure, so there's a bit of a mix. So um, first, it really speaks to the power of celebrity endorsements. So for um, in the top three, we've got Where the Crawdads Sing and American Dirt. Uh, both of those books um, were endorsed by either Oprah or Reese Witherspoon yeah. in their online book clubs. So as the book selectors, we were always watching what Oprah and Reese are saying these days because it's really driving readership to those. Um, in the third spot, is it's a really nice to see a Canadian author. It's Louise Penny. Mm-hmm. It's All the Devils Are Here. And it's part of the Armand Gamache series. And if listeners haven't read that series, it's it's wonderful. It's set in a small town in Quebec. Um, beautiful series if you haven't read it. 
Now, is that is that the one specifically, Stephen, that uh, she wrote with uh, Hillary Clinton, or was that a different one? That's a different one. Okay. That one came out this year. This okay. is part of the uh, part of the regular Amont series. So. Now, when you talk about uh, you know being on the Oprah book list, for example, if someone walks into the library, is it easy to find books that were on these book lists so we kind of know where to go and what to look for? Yep, so usually if you go online to our, our app, which is Libby, um, we often have like the most popular of the year book lists. We'll have um, staff recommendations, things like that. Um, we also have um, usually a set of paperbacks right up, right up front, too. So these are often like bestsellers. Um, so you'll probably find a lot of these Oprah lease picks there. But then, of course, you can always talk to the staff who are always mm-hmm. available to make book recommendations. You know, we might have more time on our hands. Tis the season to crack open a book. Let's talk about borrowing books over the holidays. Are there any different stipulations during the holidays? And if you can also reiterate um, late fees, and and what if you return a book late? I'm I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) No, so of course you can can still borrow books over the holidays. Um, I'd encourage people to take, uh, we we will be closed Christmas Day, Boxing Day, uh, New Year's Day, but the e-library is always open. So you can always borrow those e-books even on the days we're closed. You can check our online catalog, which is at calgarylibrary.ca, which, of course, is available um, 24-7. You can place holds on your books there. You can search the catalog. Um, in terms of late fees, we actually did away with late fees. So you've got a little You're bit of extra Andy. time now to, uh, <laughs> to return that book. So. Hey, hey, Stephen, before we let you go, quick question. Uh, your favorite book from 2021, putting you on the Ooh. spot, I know, but your number one book. You know, my number one book right now is it's an autobiography by Dave Grohl. Um, you may know him as the, he was the drummer yeah, for the yeah. band Nirvana, uh, the front man for Food Fighters. So he wrote a, an autobiography about his experience in the music scene for the 80s and 90s and of course still going to today. So it's, it's about his experience, but also like raising children. All um, right. On it. In this world, so it's, Adding it's that to my list. Thank you so much for that. And thanks for joining us this morning and Merry Christmas to you. You as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Stephen Gibbs, Selector in Collections at the Calgary Public Library. Extended family is arriving for the holiday season and carving out time for ourselves can be challenging. Joining us this morning with parenting tips to help us navigate the busy holiday season is parenting expert Julie Friedman-Smith. Good morning to you, Julie. Good morning, Andy. And this one here, uh, yeah, the kids obviously uh, very much involved when we talk about family, but this is kind of big picture family dynamics. House guests. Uh, yeah. when, when you have house guests, you broke this down into two, um, the, from the host perspective and the guest perspective. Time away? Tell us about this. Well, the thing is, we, it's been so long for many of us since we've been together with our family, and you can either be approaching it with these pie-in-the-sky ideas of, oh, it's going to be awesome, just like a movie when we're all together, or, it's, or you could be dreading it. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine spending this much time with my family. So if you plan a little bit every day to just get away from people, then when you come back, you can have good energy to bring. So if you are the host, if people are staying in your home, make plans to get out and run an errand every day. I mean, maybe not on Christmas Day, but Mm -hmm. the rest of the time. Make reasons to just separate yourself from your guests a little bit. Take some time to breathe, do your own thing. And then when you come back, you bring great energy and you you have the energy to be together with someone, right? That's what we can control is the energy that we're bringing into the situation. Right. And if you're going to stay at someone's house, 
make a plan, especially if you've got little kids who you know need to run around and you're staying maybe with grandparents who just don't move that quickly, make a plan to get out, get your kids on a walk, throwing some snowballs or running around the beach or wherever you're going so that you're not driving your parents crazy and so that your kids can get out and get their energy out and then everybody can come back and want to spend time together and have all those wiggly bits out of themselves. You know what I like about this, uh, Julie, is to me, it's A, it seems counterintuitive to a certain extent because, yeah, we want to be together, but, you know, in a lot of the cases, we're sitting on top of one another. Mm-hmm. But the other part is it's almost like a game of chicken in that the host says, oh, well, I'd love some time alone, and the guest is like, boy, I wish I had some time alone. So if you take the initiative, you know, whether you know it or not or think it's, you know, off base during the holidays, both parties will benefit. Yeah, that's right. And and the more open and honest you are about it, this is my view anyway. Like if you say, you know what, I need the kids to just go running around or I need to go and get a breath of fresh air and then I'm happy to spend some time talking, but I just need some moments for myself. If we can speak those clearly, then everybody understands they don't feel hurt and then we can have good times together as well. Some great points. Now, uh, another subset you have here under this uh, family dynamic and, uh, you know, extended family Parents and grandparents do things differently, and this is huge, and I think we we joke about it in uh, pop culture and maybe on social media how parents just spoil the kids, and and I get that part, but uh, beyond that, you can expect some different behaviors. Well, that's right, and, you know, after 20 years of coaching parents, I hear this time and time again, and I know it's true, that grandparents do things differently than parents. And it's hard on both sides, right? As a grandparent, you're watching your kid's parent and you're thinking, they're messing it up. (laughs) And you want to jump in. And as parents, you hate the way your parents did some things and you want to do them differently, but you know your parents are on you. So that weird family dynamic comes in. So here's the deal. If you're getting together for a short time, if you're just getting together for dinner or for a day or whatever it is, maybe we can agree to let it go for the short time that we're together. So if you're, if you're the grandparent and your kids are doing something that you don't really agree with, can you find a way to deal with it for the day? Mm-hmm. And same, if you're the parents and your grandparents are offering more sweets than you wanted your kids to have or whatever, one day isn't going to wreck it, right? Mm-hmm. But if there's something that is weighing on your conscience and you feel like you're going to explode about it right in the middle of family dinner and mess everything up, mm-hmm. then talk about it ahead of time. Be brave make a call, go over, set up some time to talk about it. And when we go to talk about it, the, way, the words that we use can be huge. So instead of saying, you always spoil my kids, or if you're the grandparent, you never discipline your kids, or whatever it is, start with I messages. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, blah, blah, blah. I feel our family is really working on cutting down sugar. I feel like you let your kids run around the table when we're trying to have a quiet dinner. Whatever it is, start yeah. with the language of I, and then involve the other person. How can we work together towards a solution? So you're not forcing your way on someone. You're asking everybody to work together. Yeah, and not speaking in the absolutes. That, that, that kind of is an art form to a certain extent, and this goes back to something you've mentioned before. In the heat of the moment, we might use those absolute terms just because we're not thinking straight. That's right. So if we, if we know it's coming, let's get out in front of it as best mm. we can and make a plan for it. I know I always say make a plan, but really, when yeah. our logic brain is working, when the emotions aren't in, in play here, we have a much better chance of planning the words we're going to use so that when our emotions do come into play, it can go as well as it possibly could. Uh, great, great timing on this segment. Absolutely something that's, you know, front and center, these get-togethers. So we appreciate your time and appreciate you joining us for the past few weeks, Julie. My pleasure. Have a great holiday season. Happy holidays to you as well. Okay, bye-bye.
That is Julie Friedman-Smith, parenting expert. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.